morning, church. It's a joy to gather with you and worship this morning, and we will continue to worship the Lord together in studying His Word. If you have a Bible, please open it to Mark chapter 1. If you have a phone, uh, scroll on down into the Gospel of Mark. We're going to get dirty in the Word together this morning as we worship the Lord and find, discover, or rediscover in some cases the strength that He has given us through representing us in the wilderness resisting temptation and and refreshing us with his word and the opportunity that we have to worship him. It's a joy to worship him in a sanctuary or online together this morning. But we're created to worship the Lord in all of life, every day. And in these wilderness years or moments that we're experiencing, it is more important than ever that we are grounded in the grace of God, that we can grow in our weekly and daily worship to be more fruitful for the glory of God. It is astounding to hear testimony from Diana and Larry. Thank you so much for sharing. It's unbelievable that below where we are sitting this morning in worship, women are coming in and choosing life, finding holistic health, free, mental, emotional, Connected with resources, social workers from other organizations. Together, we're holistically loving our neighbors and our neighborhood right below us. That's a powerful witness, friends. Glory to God. But it is completely rooted in the Word of God, the weekly actions of worship, the daily choices that we make. We remember uh, here on MLK Weekend, uh, the movement that Dr. King led the, the country in. Years and years ago, it was rooted in God's word. Pastor Reverend King found, stood on the, on the authority of scripture and demanding that the injustices of our, of our country would, should crumble. And, and by God's grace, and through the church mobilizing and awaking to the word in many respects, justice came, but not like justice will come. Today we're gonna study Jesus being driven into the wilderness, driven into the wilderness. And we're going to see a door open for our hearts where we can feast on God's grace, finding true strength, finding satisfaction, sustaining sustenance (laughs) and security. Wherever we are, whatever choices we've made to cope in life through this difficult season, we can turn by God's grace to return to him to find the strength that we're longing for and looking for no matter where we are. Now, what is offered to us is accepted as things that will strengthen us, things that will sustain us and give us security and satisfaction. May I give you a couple of common grace illustrations? Uh, This week, Christianity Today released a survey. You'll see the, the graphs on the screen, but they aligned the results of the survey with the Harvard Center for Human Flourishing. And you will see on this graph that regular Bible readers have a higher percentage of hope than the rest of the population. Uh, I guess it's not showing up there. You can find it on there. It is. Uh, If you read your Bible once a year, the study shows that you have a 33% higher level of hope than those that don't read their Bible at all. But if you follow that progression, to a monthly reading, a weekly reading, and even a daily reading. Daily Bible readers, this study done by the American Bible Society, and then aligned with the uh, the standards for the Harvard Center for Human Flourishing shows 
there is a 75% greater hope in people who read their Bible daily. That's just common grace data. The word of God is, it gives us strength. But second, worship. Now, Gallup is a total secular poll, and you may have either heard me refer to this survey in the 1102 service or read it yourself, but they did a study of mental health, and you'll see in this next graph that mental health in the United States is at a worse state than it has been in over 20 years. The overall quality of mental health in our country has gone down in 2020 in every single category but one. Mental health uh, has gotten worse in every ethnic category. Mental health has gotten worse in every socioeconomic category. Mental health has gotten worse in every gender, every political category. Mental health has gotten worse in every degree category that there is. There's only one category where mental health in 2020 improved, according to Gallup. Do you know what that category was? People who worshiped weekly. That's powerful. There's power in reorienting our hearts in worship during wilderness years, power in feasting on God's word in in times of famine. This is why we celebrate worshiping during the week and serving God. Scripture, mental health, is extremely important. For our congregation, we have a mental health team now that's being built and grown. We're excited about that. Mental health, free mental health is one of the options that's offered through the Any Woman Can Clinic and and other partners that we have that work in the KRL. We prioritize that, but we know the foundation of it is in God's ordinary means of grace. That's where true health, hope, and life come from. But if you're like me, then then you haven't always chosen what is best. Your choices to cope during wilderness times, you feasted on things that might not be God's primary ordained means of grace. Looking for strength and security and hope in places outside of his provision. Now more than ever, friends, we need to respond to God's grace, understand the representative nature of his life. The word of God must be our refuge. It is unchanging. And this is what we study today. Please join me in reading chapter one of Mark's gospel, verses 12 to 13. The spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Join me in this call and response. All flesh is grass and all its glory is like the flower of the fields. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Before we study the word of the Lord, please join me in turning to the Lord of the word in prayer. Will you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us, revealing the depth of the ground of the grace that we have through our King Jesus. We ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. Give us a deeper confidence in your work. Feed us with your word. Empower us by your spirit that we might live lives of worship. Lord, empty our hearts of all the idolatrous thoughts and and tendencies. And Lord, Help us return to your love. 
Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this brief text, I want to remind you of the context. If you have your Bible or on your phone, you can look down and remember this section of Mark. It begins in chapter 1, and this section actually ends in verse 15. And you can look down in your Bible the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how Mark starts his gospel. At the end of verse 15, you can look down and you can see that that Jesus is revealed as king, and he says, repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is, is the good news of a new king. And in the middle of this section, it's book ended by the good news, the gospel, in verse 1 and verse 15, we are introduced to the king. And, and it's in the context of, of the story of all stories. Now, Mark starts his gospel, you will remember by saying, in the beginning, using language that echoes Genesis 1. It is reminding us that this is the cosmic story of all stories. This is the story that all other stories are caught up in. It's the beginning of the gospel. The gospel is trash talk. It is nothing trivial or trite. He is speaking directly to the authority of Rome that would claim to have the gospel, the good news of his his reign, Caesar Augustus in particular. It is not only the cosmic stories of stories, but the gospel is the cultural story of stories. And in fact, we see that Jesus is revealed as the Son of God, the Messiah. It is the covenantal story of stories. And as we continue to read in chapter one, we remember in the context that the prophet foretold that John the Baptist would come. Jesus, the Lord, has total authority within the story, and all of history is his story, and our stories find their fullness in him. The prophet foretold, and John the Baptist fulfilled, and he reveals that we all have a role in the story. John's, in particular, was the fullness of the messenger that would call God's people back to repent, to prepare the way for the kingdom. And last week we saw the introduction of this king through Jesus being able to identify with us in baptism. Not so much as a personal example, but definitely as a fullness of identification. This is God who has come to be one of us. And this week we see the power that we have in him representing us. Look down in verse 1, uh, verse 12, this is where we'll begin. We have two points and a few redemptive implications for us this week. First, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Divine direction into difficulty. We should be taken back by the fact that the Spirit that came down from heaven, that ascended upon Jesus, then drove him into the wilderness. This was a divine leading into difficulty. Oftentimes, when we experience difficulties, we say, God, where are you? What have you done? And somehow, in the midst of this revelation, we see that actually the divine has driven into the difficulty. Why would he do that? The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Mark uses this word again that we spoke about last week, immediately. Now this is not so much to communicate a rapid pace of the action, but it is to communicate that there is a significant and a sudden moment that we need to pay attention to. This word is used seven times in this chapter, over 40 times in the whole gospel. Mark is revealing to us the significance of the fullness of all stories 
of stories. This spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness. And this word for drive, this is unique to Mark's gospel. Matthew's representation of this story, Luke's representation of this story, they use a far more gentle word, led. And the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It seems so polite and inviting. But Mike, Mike, Mike doesn't exist. Mark wrote this gospel. He followed Peter around. It's based on the outline of the sermon in in Acts 10. Anyway, Mark uses this word driven. The spirit drove him into the wilderness. Not like a chauffeur, very comfortable. Where's the next stop, sir? The wilderness. Okay, we'll get there. Driven. This word is used in Mark 11 times to speak of Jesus driving out demons. It is this authoritative, compulsive removal. This is the language that's used when Jesus drives people out of the temple forcefully. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. You ever feel forced into the wilderness? You ever feel like that the wilderness just falls upon you and you're left with more questions and answers and oftentimes more fear than faith? Why does the Spirit drive Jesus? Well, here's why. Because Jesus is our representative. We need, we need a victorious king, one that was tempted in every way we are, except without sin, one that gives us grace where we can truly repent and believe. But we also need to be able to have strength to redeem our wilderness years. Now let me uh, tell you a couple of things that later New Testament authors will say. Uh, You can see in James chapter one, verses uh, two to four, that James tells the church to count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because they are working in us a maturity. They're giving us a perseverance. And Paul, the apostle, will later say the same thing in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. Look at this language in, in Romans. Can you put it up there? Next slide. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, our endurance produces character, and our character produces hope. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. (laughs) Our times of struggle and our suffering is about perseverance and character and proven hope. But if you're like me, those are not my instinctual reactions when I'm facing trials of various kinds. I find it difficult to count it all joy. I find it difficult to persevere. I tap out pretty easy. If you know me, then you know that's true. (laughs) Why? Why do we see this? Well, I love the illustration of a silversmith, someone who refines silver. I've never done it myself, but here's what I understand to be true, that when a silversmith puts silver into the furnace, the fiery furnace, The intention is to remove all of its impurities, to make it as pure silver as possible through the intensity of the fire. And when asked, the silversmith responds, 
How do you know when that silver is ready? It is said that the silversmith looks into the silver and is able, it's so pure, they're able to see their own reflection. Somehow the image of the one who puts the silver into the furnace is able to be shown when all the dross is removed. Somehow, some way, God uses his spirit to drive out the impurities of our hearts during seasons of wilderness years. But this does not happen on our own resolve and our own strength and our own choices. The solution is not to try harder. This is not some Bear grills instruction of, of how to survive the wilderness. This is divine provision and how we can reflect more the image of our creator. This takes us to our second point in the second verse. Uh, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. What kind of wilderness was Jesus in? It was a wild wilderness. It says at the end that there were wild animals. (laughs) Why does Mark include that? Because it was dangerous. Because it was wild. This isn't the same wilderness that John the Baptist was in in his camel hair coat. This is the wilderness that was outside of Jericho that was considered far more dangerous. Jesus was there for a, a while. There was deep desperation when you're wandering in the desert for 40 days. This is a substantial season, a long temptation. And it says in Mark's account simply that Jesus was tempted by Satan. And when you go back to Mark, Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13 respectively, you see that Jesus was tempted in his appetite. He was, he was tempted in his affection. He was tempted in his ambitions. But we know from those larger accounts that when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he, he fought with God's word. He feasted on God's word to resist temptation. He refused to worship anyone but the Lord. Word and worship providing strength in seasons of deep desperation. In fact, James would later write that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. And that's exactly what we see happening in the work of Jesus. But he did this, friends, listen. Yes, as a model but more so as a redemptive representative of his story. Now look at these specifics. Mark is interested in introducing this king who will, in the next verse, after John is arrested, proclaim the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. What is fulfilled? It is the fact that there is a representative who is faithful, that will be the pure sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who will be slain to take away the sins of the world. This is highlighted in key questions that we have in this text. First, why 40 days? Why did he go into the wilderness 40 days? Well, let me ask you the question in response. When you hear 40 days, what are you reminded of in Scripture? That's right. When the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, that number 40 is a significant parallel. The Israelites who were redeemed from Egypt with amazing signs and wonders by the Passover lamb, the blood led them out into the wilderness from the mighty hand of Egypt, the most powerful political figure and most powerful army in the world stood nothing. (laughs) 
had no chance against the God of God and the King of Kings. And after they passed through the Red Sea as if on dry ground and watched the armies of Egypt be defeated, what did they do when they were in the wilderness? They grumbled and they complained. Oh, where's our water? We want real food. Remember when we were slaves? At least we could eat meat. At least we had vegetables. They grumbled and they complained. They erected golden calves and they worshiped false gods. They were tempted and tried and they tested in the fires of the wilderness and they failed, friends. They failed in our best efforts, on our best day, in our strongest times, right after we've had our coffee. That's my strongest time. We still fail. We still sin. We need a representative, and Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. You can see back in Exodus chapter 15 to 18, or Leviticus, Numbers 11, 1 to 6, Deuteronomy chapter 1, all through we see there is this longing for a faithful Israelite. That's our king. Secondly, we see this other question, why was Jesus tempted? Well, this is uh, more obvious maybe than the wilderness wanderings, but you will be reminded of one who was in paradise and then sent to the wilderness because they could not resist temptation. That would be Adam and Eve. They were in paradise and had everything that they needed. And Genesis 3 reveals that when they were tempted by Satan, they desired the fruit in their heart and they took it and they ate it And they were literally driven, the same word in Hebrew, driven from the garden into the wilderness. And now we see one who is driven into the wilderness to resist temptation so that those of us who who say yes to temptation and no to the provision of king can find a faithful representative who lived the perfect life on our behalf, the Lamb of God who died in our place to take our sin. He represents us. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 20 to 21, that in the first Adam there was life, but there there was death. In the second Adam, Jesus Christ, there is life. He repeats it again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 21 through 22. Jesus takes our sin and gives us his perfect record. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it was for our sake that he who knew no sin, he became sin, so that you might become the righteousness of God. Jesus lived for us as our representative so that he could die for us and give us his righteousness. The Christian faith never begins with our work for God. It always begins with God's work for us. That's why the gospel is good news. That's why we can repent and turn. And of the story of all stories, that is why Jesus is the hero and not you and not me. That is why we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is why that we worship no other God but our Savior and Redeemer. He is the great King of our cosmos. He's the great King of our culture. 
He is the merciful king of his covenant. Here are some things that you can take to the bank in how we apply this passage. Hope is here. In Jesus Christ, no matter what wilderness we find ourselves in, hope is here. Adam and Eve were driven from the garden into the wilderness, Genesis 3.24. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness so that all of us who need forgiveness can find it and return back to the garden. This is why places all through scripture, but I want to show you particularly in Isaiah 53, one and two, there are promises of gardens that can grow in the wilderness. (laughs) You believe that? Gardens can grow in the wilderness. Listen to this. The wilderness and the solitary place will be glad and the desert shall rejoice and blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and with singing. The end of verse two, they will see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. How does a wilderness season turn into a garden season? Because when the fire refines, the image of the maker is revealed. God is in the business of turning wilderness difficulties into a fruitful harvest. Secondly, not only is hope here, but help is here. The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 2, verse 18, that Jesus suffered in his temptation so that he can help those who look to them in their temptation. That's why he did it. He can help us in our time of temptation. Paul would say that he doesn't tempt us beyond anything what we can bear. When we're tempted to find security in things outside of the, the word and the work of God, we can find help from the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died in our place. When we're discouraged, I don't know about you, by our own failures, I I, I struggle in being discouraged by how much I fail. I long to be a faithful servant of Jesus, and His grace, His Spirit convicts me, it searches me, and shows me how much further I have left to go. And this passage promises Hebrew 2, Hebrews 2, that we have help in our temptation. That there is a greater goal that I can grow into as a servant of God that all of us can. Not only as we worship in our, in our morning time together, whether it's virtually or in person, but that we can worship throughout the week and all of our lives. Everything we do, whether that's seeking justice or seeking life. Or it's just showing light and love with people we're with. We can resist the devil and he will flee from us. You're not a prisoner to your addictions or your bad choices. Jesus wants to help us. And grace is the ground of our confidence. We don't come to God with a resume showing him how well we've performed. We come to God with tremendous need. Jesus, in my wilderness, I've grumbled. I've I've bought into temptation. And the author of Hebrews again says in chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, look at these verses. Since then we have a great high priest who's 
passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, uh, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. My friends, the King of heaven has given you an invitation. Have great confidence to approach the throne of grace. He wants to help us in our time of need. Do you have need this morning? Yes, you do. And God of all the universe says, approach my throne of grace with confidence. Have you asked God to help you with your need? Really? In faith? He promises to help. It will always look different. than it would if you were God and you could write your own story. But there is real powerful and surrender and laying down the pen of your life and trusting the divine author who promises to help you in your time of need. God's grace gives us victory, even especially when we fail. God gives us strength to be born again to a newness of life. His grace is our help and he gives us the power to resist the devil. I'll end with a, 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 a quote from C.T. Studd and then, and then one final thing. Uh, C.T. Studd uh, was a phenomenal missionary, um, just exemplary missionary. He was from England. Uh, he, he went with Hudson Taylor over to China, helped start the China Inland Mission. He was with Amy Carmichael in India, uh, just a veritable who's who of missionaries throughout history. Uh, he ended up dying in Central Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, where just hundreds and hundreds of unreached people came to Christ because uh, he believed in the promises of heaven more than the promises of this world. Uh, a, a biography I read about him uh, is by Norman Grubb. I highly recommend it. Um, but this is what uh, C.T. Studd told hundreds of new converts in the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, formerly unreached before he moved there, uh, when it came to living during wilderness times, that is resisting the devil. I love these. God's grace gives us strength to have this authority. He says, uh, if you don't desire to meet the devil during the day, then you better meet with Jesus before dawn. He says, if you don't want the devil to hit you, then you've got to hit him first and hit him with all your might. Preach the word. That's the rod that the devil hates. And thirdly, if you don't want to fall, then you've got to walk. You've got to walk straight, you've got to walk fast, and you've got to walk with Jesus. There is help in our time of need. And finally, the last thing we see, friends, there is a headline of heaven that is stronger and more powerful than any headline on any news site, any website, any blog post. The Father is sovereign. He loves you. He sent his son to live the life you could never live, to die the death that you and I deserve to die so that we could have a faithful representative. The Lamb of God was slain to take away the sins of the world so that the king could come and make his gospel pronouncement. Repent and believe. He's inviting us home home to life, home to fullness, home to security, sustenance, strength, hope. Will you respond to his invitation? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace.
We thank you for your love that sent Jesus. We pray that you would give us humble hearts, that we'd take your work far more serious than we do our own. Please forgive us, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you teach us to walk in a newness of life? Lord, thank you that you give us help. Thank you that you give us hope. Thank you for the headlines of heaven. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.